You're listening to Midlife State of Mind Podcast, hosted by Aaron Beadle and Belinda Fleming, two gals who dish on all the challenges and opportunities that come with this middle section of your life. Each episode, you'll find yourself going between laughter and tears as they cover all the topics you need to know about midlife. Welcome back to Midlife State of Mind. I'm your host, Erin Beadle. And Belinda Fleming. Welcome back. We're so happy you're tuning in today. We are back on track with our series regarding the four types of love. And we've referenced that the book called um, The Four Loves. The Four Loves by C.S. Lewis. Really the beginning of an idea for us to create this series. And in our um, first episode, we talked about agape, that God's love, essentially the love that we should have for all mankind. Um, but tell us today, what are we going to talk about today? So today we're focusing on eros, which is the type of love found in romantic relationships. And you might even think of the word erotic. Relationships with eros contain passion and intimacy. So we're definitely going to take a deeper dive into this idea of being in love. What well, an eros is named after the Greek god. God, Eros. Okay. For like, it's the Greek god of love and fertility. Makes sense. Yeah. And then we're also going to partner today's episode with the idea of philia. And philia is the love. It describes the type of love found in strong friendships, usually without romantic attraction, but not always. And we're going to dive into that. And if you think of philia, it's the word Philadelphia, and that's the city of brotherly love. It's kind of interesting always to me, the origins of words and how they show up in different things. And you're like, oh, that's where that came from. Yeah, all of the four types of love that we've been discussing are from the Greek language. Yeah, so eros is that erotic, passionate love. That's what you typically think of when you think of love, right? How we talked about we only have one word for love and it can mean I love ice cream or it can mean or it could mean I love you unconditionally and want to marry you and spend the rest of my life with you. And I had the pleasure last week. It's really funny how the universe always provides you what you, what you need when you need it. And I went to see Jay Shetty with a friend and his he's on tour. It's called Just Love. Wow. And I actually told my friend that I went with the things that he was saying is some of the things we said in the episode on Agape. And I was like, I think he listened to my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying we're influencers for Jay Shetty? Absolutely. Okay, <laughs> I can I can agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> but he talked a lot about that in the Western language, we have that one word for love and how, you know, the Greeks and other languages have bunch of words for love because it can be all different things. But so when you think of Eros, Eros is what mainly you think of as that romantic love. You get the butterflies in your stomach when you see your object of affection, right? And some people might mistakenly think of Eros as a lust, but that's really not what this is about. It's passion, it's desire, need, well, and you know what, when I was doing the research into this is that often Eros is more about need and it is often more about the person who's feeling the sexual attraction than about the object 
of their attraction. And I started thinking back on, of course, I've been married for, you know, 74 years. But I'm teasing. <laughs> I've been married a long time, so I haven't had an object of an Eros attraction. Is that it is very much, a, I think it's more about how that person, how they make me feel about myself. And it's less about them. Would you agree? Well, that's that feeling of being in love. Right. And there is, you know, the way you feel is going to probably be a little bit different than the way I feel. And so it's such a heady feeling, right? So it is something that you get caught up in within yourself. Yes. And so I would agree with that. And what's interesting is that this idea of the first type, the first time you actually fall in love with someone, that's usually their story of Eros, right? That that connects you to this person. It's hard to maintain this over a long-term relationship. So this is those beginning feelings, that beginning chemistry, the attraction. And you're right. It's how how do we feel? Right. It's, it's less about centered. the other person yeah. and the object of your arrows. But we certainly realize that it is this person that's giving us these feelings, but we're very, very focused on ourselves. Yes. Well, in Greek mythology, Eros was considered a form of madness um, that was brought about (laughs) by one of Cupid's arrows. And I mean, love can definitely drive you mad, right? It's true. I mean, how many love songs have been written about unrequited love, heartbreak love, you know, all of the different types of things that come along with this idea of romantic love and falling in love, you know, like falling. What does that even mean, <laughs> falling in love? But it's how we describe it in the English language. It's truly how we how we describe eros. So eros being Greek in origin, but if you're trying to translate it in English, it would be exactly this idea of falling. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know that romantic love is actually more of a modern construct. And it, and it came about the same time that the novel, like the idea of like writing a novel, because most... Erotic, sexy. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but it was for many, many, many years, the written word was for education, how to do this or how to do that. Then when people started reading for pleasure, then this whole idea of romantic love, because think about 200 years ago, marriages were based on keeping land in the family or, you know, growing (laughs) your empire, like kings and queens. You didn't get to pick your romantic partner. Love partner. Yeah, you had to like take whoever. The family chose. (laughs) Exactly, because it was usually for power. Right. And it was like, if these two families join... Solidarity. Yeah, they're going to make, you know, a very powerful family. Well, relationships that do begin with Eros types of love are passionate and they're exciting and yeah. it's it's really intimate, you know, this, this intimacy that you don't experience with other people. So it's very steeped in desire. Well, one of our mutual friends, we have said many times, if we could bottle that... <laughs> We can make a fortune. Exactly. Because that, you know, just if you see the person that you have that feeling for, or if you think about them, you get butterflies, you get giddy, you know, you're just like, I wonder what they're doing. I wonder what they're doing. It's all consuming. You'll find yourself just sitting, 
you know, supposedly doing your work or whatever, and then your mind is just drawn to this relationship yeah. that gives you this sensation. I mean, it's definitely a wonderful feeling, but it's usually just a physical love and it's not necessarily something that you can always build a relationship on because have you ever had a really, you know, if you think about a really strong, fiery relationship, sometimes they burn out fast. Some people refer to it as the honeymoon phase, right? It is, definitely. And then it's how do you keep that feeling, that flame burning throughout a long-term relationship. So I think there are periods where we can experience it in the very, very beginning. And then we can remember and tell the stories of how our love began, how that passion was created. And there are times you get to revisit it over the course of relationships. But I don't think it's sustainable for a long period of time in a healthy relationship where... A long-term relationship. Yeah. Well, and I think that Eros is what that initial attraction is what piques your interest enough to invest in creating the long-term love, Mm -hmm. like philia. And then that really takes us to philia because philia is really about a strong friendship and it's about affection and supporting each other. So it becomes more focused on both the giving and the receiving, right. not just this feeling of falling in love. And it's, a, and I think the difference, Eros isn't always a committed love. Philia is like a committed love. Very committed. So Eros is, I want you, and I almost like you want to consume the person. It's not necessarily that you have that commitment to that person. It could be that I want you as long as I have this feeling. When this feeling goes away, there's nothing left if you don't have anything besides Founda- that. If you don't yeah. have a foundation. Right. And so the Philia is important for long-term relationships because we want to be connected to people that have our best interest at heart, that they support us in our goals and our decisions, and we support one another. And so we're able to have a healthy relationship long-term because passion is fleeting. We, mm-hmm. we, talk, we talk about that, but the support and love of a friendship is, can sustain you for all the phases and stages of your life. Well, because if you think about two eros isn't necessarily equally reciprocated Mm -hmm. because you could have eros for someone that doesn't feel the same way about you. But with philia, there's this sense of equality or equity in the relationship where you're both giving and both receiving. It's not a one-sided thing. And so eros isn't always reciprocated because again, it's about, it's more about you and the way that person makes you feel rather than about what you're making them feel or that give and take in a relationship. And in speaking about that, you know, when you do start a relationship and you initially have that attraction, but eventually if you invest in the person and they're investing in you, it does grow into this philia, this idea of a committed relationship, a best friend as your partner that you are going to create a life with, not just a night with, you know, like you think of Eros as we're going to have a great night together, but with Philia, we're going to have a great life together. Well, I think it's really important for us to understand the deeper connection is healthier, right? Well, yeah. (laughs) 
I mean, it's fun to have that Eros love, and that that is good to to bring you to the right person, and you want that chemistry. But I also think that in order for us to function in the world and be our best self, we have to find that the companion that partnership because we were we were designed for connection. And as someone who has been married for a very long time, you do go through spells. I call it a roller coaster. You could call it whatever you want. I say sometimes you're really up, you know, and you're just everything's firing on all cylinders. You're in love and everything's peachy keen. And then you have these little valleys, but you just have to know that like all things, it's going to come back up again because, you know, what goes down must come up. What goes up must come down. And it's that commitment to each other, that deep philia love that keeps you in the times that sustains you in the times when you're in the lows, right? when you're raising kids together, when you're going through an illness and you have a, a partner that's maybe sick. And so maybe you aren't having intimate relations. But I think the evolution of romantic love and philia love and maybe even it's normal for you to experience like you're just talking about. Yeah. You can't sustain Eros for the lifetime of a, of a long-term relationship. Well, it'd be exhausting. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because, you know, when you are in a new love, like we said, it consumes you. You can't do anything else almost. You almost lose your appetite. You're consumed by thoughts of that person and like... Well, I think it's important to just say, you know, and, and remind all of us that we're not falling out of love when we have those periods mm-hmm. where the Eros isn't as prevalent. Don't you agree? Like it's what you're talking about about the roller coaster ride. It's just to understand that there will be these time periods where it maybe isn't as passionate as mm-hmm. it has been at other periods. It doesn't mean that everything's subsided and that there there's you know nothing there. It's no because it, it's replaced with something that is deeper mm-hmm. and stronger. I'm not saying it's better or worse. Right. But it's just, it's a deeper commitment to where this person you've basically, in Eros, you aren't showing all of your flaws to someone because you're still trying to put on... You're not showing your true self. You're not showing all your warts. Once you are in that deep, committed partnership, that's when the person knows you, really knows you. Knows your strengths, knows your weaknesses. But but loves you despite your weaknesses. You know, doesn't even consider them a weakness. Or they are there to pick up the, the slack. Jeff and I, when I'm down, he's the one that steps in. When he's down, I'm the one that steps in. It's it like, reminds me of a really old song, He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother. Right? <laughs> That's the philia love. Absolutely. It yeah. is. Yeah, you carry each other, and it changes daily or weekly or just in a relationship where one of you is the strong one at a time when the other one is weak. If you're going to sustain a long-term partnership, the eros does have to transmute into a philia and it doesn't mean you maybe love, I mean, you know, you, you don't want to necessarily say you love your partner like a brother, but it's a deeper, more, it's not superficial anymore. And we're describing love types and love is very complex. Let's be honest, it's very complex. And we are going to wrap up next week with our final fourth type of love. and Storge. Yeah, so... And then we'll bring it all full circle with the four types and how beneficial that it is for a healthy relationship to experience all of these types of love. 
When we were doing the research, we read that C.S. Lewis, who wrote the book, The Four Loves, he says that philia is the least natural of loves. And you and I kind because of Because we don't need it him. for survival is what he said. So he says that it's the least natural of all the loves because humans by no means need friendly relationships to, to survive. And so, in other words, we are not hardwired biologically or instinctively to seek friendships. But we want fulfilling lives. We want this, you know, beautiful experience of having it all, so to speak. And so he's talking clearly of just survival. Right, so, and not thriving. Right. We're he's, wanting to be fulfilled and, and experience all of the types of love. But you and I both know that the reason I disagree with it is even if we weren't even thinking of just surviving, we are designed for connection. Loneliness is one of the biggest predictors of early death. Right. And it definitely leads to depression, anxiety, all of these other issues. So I do think he's just talking about it from a biological standpoint of it's not like we need it like we need air, food, and water. It's not one of those types of needs. Mm -hmm. But I think it definitely is a need because without it, we would feel so lonely. Right. I agree with you. And and we would feel just a sadness. There's there's the there is such a comfort and such a contentment when you have that companionship. Very true. So we say er, start with Eros and then Build and move into to that philia, yeah. strong, committed, supportive love. And have those periods where you also revisit Eros and keep that spark alive um, in order to, again, renew those feelings that right. what brought you together to begin with. So, you know, when you raise kids with somebody and you run a house with somebody, you get into the day-to-day minutiae. When our kids were young, we several summers they would go to my mom's for the week and Jeff and I would just stay at home and I would look at him and be like oh I do like him (laughs) so the Eros lover feels this urgent need to spend time with this person to keep those feelings of falling in love fresh and alive and there is sometimes this idea that when those feelings resolve that maybe it's time to move on to someone else, right? We never want to be this serial dater or person that's always seeking, seeking. only Eros love. Right. So the flip side of that is that there are a lot of relationships long-term that didn't start with Eros, that started with the philia, right? right? So the other side of the coin is... We are saying that you can build a beautiful friendship with someone with no intention of it ever becoming Eros, ever becoming this romantic kind of thing. And then all of a sudden you get blindsided. So equally, however, that's why we partnered these two together for our podcast today, because it's really quite interesting to look at it from either perspective and how the roller coaster effect mm-hmm. of both of these may be present in our relationship with whomever we are romantically involved with. And also keep in mind, if you are in a friendship right now, that, that there's a possibility at some time down the road it could become romantic. Mm. We never know. We're, we're hopeful that all of our listeners today are just being open to this idea of all of the types of love. Right, and recognizing them in their own lives.
In closing, I want to read something that I read the other day. The author is unknown. To love someone long-term is to attend a thousand funerals of the people they used to be. The people they're too exhausted to be any longer. The people they don't recognize inside themselves anymore. The people they grew out of. The people they never ended up growing into. We so badly want the people we love to get their spark back when it burns out. To become speedily found when they are lost. But it is not our job to hold anyone accountable to the people they used to be. It is our job to travel with them between each version and to honor what emerges along the way. Sometimes it will be an even more luminescent flame. Sometimes it will be a flicker that disappears and temporarily floods the room with a perfect and necessary darkness. Wow. I have chill bumps Yeah, right now. I just thought, you know, I mean, it's a lovely way of saying that it captures the ups and downs yeah. of a long-term relationship. Absolutely. I love it so much. Thank you for sharing that, Erin. Yeah. Well, you guys, we are so excited. We launched our website this week. Woohoo! We have a new website. Uh, so Midlife mi- State of Mind Podcast.com. Check it out. It's gorgeous. You can read all about Belinda, all about me. And more importantly, you can go to the little tab that says Retreat and learn all about our upcoming retreat that's in October of this year in Italy. Yes, we'll be in the Tuscany region six days, actually six nights, seven days. Yes. And we will be reclaiming our wholeness. It is going to be just a fantastic adventure and we would love for you guys to be a part of it. So check it out, midlifestateofmindpodcast.com. We give all the credit to Jonathan Westbrook for his amazingly talented skills at setting up our website. Go and read about the retreat. Email us with any questions and let us know because we would love to have you guys join us. Follow us on all the socials, Midlife State of Mind Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, and we will see you guys next week. Bye now. This has been an E-Squared production.